0: is episode 235 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Tim Stoddard of Game Hopper Games about their roguelike twin stick shooter adventure game, Gemstone Keeper. But before we delve into that, let's see what else is under Kane and Rince's umbrella, which is ever growing and indeed vast. The first of which is Kane and Rince itself, which this week is covering Donkey Kong. That is if you're a paid subscriber. If you're not, then you'll listen to Fury. But anyway, that's the subject of Kane and Rince this week. Next, we have Sound of Play on Wednesdays, where we celebrate the scores, that's the musical scores, not the rating scores, of video games, young and old. So yes, do check that out. It's a very relaxing and thoroughly entertaining podcast. Then we have Playwright. Two people called Ryan invent games based on ideas sent to them by their listeners. It's excellent, highly recommended. Do check it out. If you want to know more about Kane and Rince, you can. You can pop along to KaneandRince.com to read blogs, reviews, previews, and also an active forum. You can pop along and chat to others who like video games, listen to the podcasts, and other things. There's, there's a like whole thread about off-topic stuff, it's great we also do on Twitch, we do streaming of video games uh, on Thursdays, myself, Darren Gargett and sometimes Carl Moon, we have um, set sail across the seas in Sea of Thieves and it's me, dressed as a pirate with a stuffed parrot called Alan trying to find content in that game, so far largely unsuccessful Anyway, there's also on Sunday there's me streaming a random game, It's a variety show where I take a random game from a random platform to stream it. like last week at the time of recording this show, I did Turrican 2 on the Amiga because I could, and I did. and it is streamed from actual hardware, it's not actually emulated in any way. Now if you want to chuck us some shekels for the content with almost limitless content, of rinse creates then you can you can pop along to p- patreon.com forward slash and rinse And if you do that you can actually find our subscription page where if you give us just one US dollar a month just one and you granted extra content you get extra uh, extra long versions of Cane and rinse normally only two hours long but if you actually took us some money you get the extra extended edition not only that but it's one week early Also, you have the platform exclusives. That's right. There's a special edition podcast where every three months, um, Kane and does a platform exclusive podcast. And I actually recorded one on the Amiga recently, which is terribly entertaining and very fun to do. But enough about that. Let's move on to the show. Take it away, past me. Tim. Hello. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Okay so uh, uh by day I'm a games programmer and by night I'm a games developer so I write code in the day I write code in the night uh based, I'm based in a <clears throat> I'm based in Lichfield in Staffordshire at the moment I'm a, and I'm originally from Lymington Spa Okay uh yeah yeah
0: so and you make games now as well as make games for well, okay so you make your own games and you also code for others uh, yeah uh, can you tell us who you work for or is that not appropriate I don't know
1: never uh, asked that question before <laughs> uh,
0: it's probably so, best not let's just, just do that well, I don't know
1: well I say I work. Well, I work for games but not exactly the traditional video games industry by day <laughs> just—it's
0: just probably best for that. So let's just stick to the game you've made today, which, what's today? Heavens. It's probably taking you years. <laughs> years and years and years. But the game you, you were here to chat about is Gemstone Keeper, which uh, I discovered, I'm embarrassed to admit, as I was walking along looking at uh, some... Uh, some. Uh, I think they're opposite there you. There's a group selling upgraded PlayStation 2s and Dreamcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. And I uh, wandered over and I saw your the game you had on. It looked like Rogue, but it wasn't. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yes, yeah, it's Gemstone Keeper, which we'll delve into in the second half of the show. But before we do that, we need to find out a little bit more about you, Tim. Okay. So, the second question. Ready? Probably mm-hmm. not. How did you, <laughs> how did you make us start making video games? Uh,
1: so, I was, uh, so I was around 16, uh, just, start, just starting my A-levels, and, uh, and, well, I I enjoyed video games like any other person my age but uh I only really I didn't really think in the back of my mind if I could really make games until uh until uh until the college had a pro- had like uh, an extended project program where you could basically do virtually any you could basically write report about virtually anything that that you're interested in and get some extra marks and one of the teachers specifically said that you can make a video game as an example. So I thought, sure, why not? I'll give it a go. Uh, and so uh, I think over the period of about a year or two, I, I downloaded a game engine. I think it was a Game Maker 7 or Game Maker 8. I, uh, I went through the tutorials and eventually made a side-scrolling shooter. And ended up getting a, a B grade. Uh, so yeah, after I, after I got that uh, grade, I went to university. Uh, initially, just to do general computer science, uh, but uh, there were some optional game development courses. Is uh, so I took one of those. I found game development to be a lot more exciting than a and a general a uh, generic software engineering or hardware computers and so i changed my so i changed my course to do more games programming stuff and from there i've been making games ever since
0: right that's that's quite uh it's quite a leap um because most i didn't know computer science so of course he's had game development modules i thought they were they were strictly um, just on the computing science and hardware of things.
1: Mm. Uh, well, they are—they are fairly new. Like, uh, I think only—I think at the university I went to, Staffordshire, they had, they had only started introducing uh, game development courses at around uh, 2008, 2009 right. or so. And I, and I was, and I went. So they've been around for like probably. Three, four or five years before I went joined the university okay um, so they' relatively new
0: yeah, so you obviously you started like in your late teens discovering that just because of I of an off the cuff flippant if if you will remark from a teacher say oh, you can make a video game like why would you say that but he, you did. And he didn't, didn't didn't even say how you're going to make it. He said, oh, I'm just going to use this this high-level language that I've never heard of, and there you go. Let's just, just play that and make that. And uh, the fact that he got a B was a bit off. I mean, got, <laughs> you, you made a game. I'm going to give you an A-plus for that. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, making a game is very hard. B. <laughs> I have a word with him. Anyway, him or her, sorry. But um, all right. <laughs> uh, but despite the bee, it uh, you 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 persevered, and here you are talking to me. So great! Must have, some, something must have gone right. Um, so, my next question to you is: it might be a bit difficult to answer, but going to give give it a shot anyway. Your best shot. Um, as a creator of things, which you are a creator of things. What do you believe is your biggest influences, or are your biggest influences?
1: Uh, is that as in game developers in general, or so? Okay, any-
0: it's very difficult to 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 comprehend this question because it's quite nebulous. But you're creating video games. Mm. What do you believe is the things that influences you the most about their creation? What is the thing or things that you find yourself drawn to that eventually lead to being part of your creation whether you like it or not um,
1: I definitely think that, I definitely feel like uh, the games games I like in particular I particularly like uh, I particularly like the retro games which which admittedly growing up was a bit unusual for me because I was I grew up up in, like I did tail end of like the PlayStation and N64 Era of gaming but uh i found myself a lot more appealed to like like the mega drive the super nintendo uh, uh that kind of era uh, games but uh, as well as like the old arcade games from like, the 80s but uh i do like the simplicity of it uh, i definitely like like the flat i definitely like uh, uh, uh the effort they put into like like uh, making the designs all imaginative uh in terms of in terms of a uh, uh, actual uh, gameplay uh, gameplay feel and visual style jeff Minter's definitely been a strong influence i definitely not i don't like I definitely like, uh, i definitely like uh, his uh, his start his style of a fast fast paced uh, uh fast paced uh, games with very fancy with like very bright uh, uh, very bright it's right, uh, vi- vi- very bright visuals.
0: Yeah, um, I think you—you you haven't made Tempest though, so you know you're <laughs> right. Because Jeff, he loves his Tempest. He's not letting go. I, he, keeps, he keeps on making it.
1: <laughs> I did. I did make a game that I could that you could consider close to Tempest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, a game by Maeve called uh, which, uh, a Galaticus, which is which was a. To be honest, it's more. This was inspired by Gyrus, which is uh, one of my favourite arcade games, uh, mm-hmm. where where's where's a two shooter? You had to shoot all the enemy, en- we had to shoot all the enemies as quickly as possible, and you're basically and you're basically moving like a tube area. Uh, and funny enough, I went to uh, I met him at a convention once, and I showed him vid. I actually showed him a gameplay video of Galacticus and he thought it was got- and he thought it looked quite good.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's a nice he's a nice man. Jeff is mm. a very nice man. He likes his animals. Yeah. He teaches them in, in his games. I mean, <laughs> one of my favourites is Llamatron on the uh, Atari mm. ST. Uh, I actually played it. I actually played it at Retro Revival where you and I met. Um, yeah. I played, yeah. I played Berserk. I kept on playing Berserk on the Atari 5200. I mm. kept on drawing back to it. don't know why. I don't don't know. Why. It was just a compelling game. forgotten mm. how tough it was. But it's an arcade perfect game of that and uh but um, anyway, we're getting distracted. <laughs> games. But no, it's lovely that you I mean the, the the glib response is all just like the pure gameplay and no, it's not about that. Mm. It's about the projecting imagination, like, you know, again, going back to Gemstone Keeper, you are an at sign and that I mean the, 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 the character at the official term for that is at the position of seriously. Mm. Uh it's it's about key um not key setting, um printing. Uh so at the position of the at. Uh, that at sign is your your, your that's your icon in, in Gemstone Keeper and uh, you you, be, you become drawn to it. You <laughs> become like, Oh that's me. You're an at. I'm reduced yeah. to the status of an at. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, it's um I think uh, it shows. It's a really good answer to say that mm. uh, it's not about just the, the purity of the visuals. It's also letting allowing the player to have a bit of imagination and not just feed them, you know, whatever. Just like, for mm. example, The Antithesis would be a game like Anthem, for example, because that's a visual delight, but mm. really it's a bit people. I mean, it, it just really bothers me when you see video commentary on, you know... Um, so I'm going to use the phrase AAA, but I don't like that phrase. Whatever that means, mm. mainstream games. There you go. That might work. Um, yeah. Just say big budget. Better. Big budget. Massive resource games like you know the Assassin's Creed games and stuff like that. But they describe these games like oh, it's a bit boring. Like, Look at it. <laughs> uh, it's a bit dull. What? <laughs> and, then, and then and then and then you play them. Like you know, for example, Halo Five. I've never finished mm. Halo Five. I've finished all the Halo games, except that one, because mm. for the first time I experienced boredom. Like, I'm bored. In a, mm. in a game like a visual splendor
1: like that, like
0: it's a bit boring. <laughs> and just, honestly, you know, to stop.
1: Honestly, I get the same thing with Grandpa Daughter, Grandpa Daughter Grand games for, for the longest for the longest time. Like particularly like Grand, particularly like with uh, since like by city yeah, i have i've always had a, had a real disinterest in grandpa daughter and my and and my friend and some people around my age group would look at me weirdly because they think it's the think it's not like the best game ever but i i definitely but uh the problem i had is that I, it's just that i'm not really a fan of uh, open world games i'm not really a fan of games that prey themselves on like Look how massive we are. You can do anything you want. Because I just think, well, what do I do for a start?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think you might have found a little bit of a kindred soul. I do like them. However, mm. you know, I finished you know, GTA 4. Never mm. finished 5. Don't know why. I got distracted by something. But no, I, I finished uh, Skyrim in about 30 hours, which you mm. and I know is a sh- shockingly short time on Skyrim. Mm. But I just, I just did the main quest, Tim. Just like, oh, yeah, it gave me a quest to do. I'm gonna do it. And like, mm. the game would throw all this stuff at you in my face as I was walking around, going, ooh, it's an interesting cave going down there. It's like, that's nice. Is it anything to do in the main plot? No. Well, then I'm ignore it. And, he just, mm. <laughs> and that's how I play these open world games. Otherwise, you like you just said, you become overwhelmed. Like, mm. But um, no, I just it's it's a. Uh, it's an interesting point you raise. That the visual uh, fidelity is not the be-all and end-all. Well, of course, we've known that for decades. <laughs> you know, look at Pong for pity's sake, one of the most <laughs> celebrated games of all time. And, well, it's not the greatest game. It's t- whatever. It's still a good game. <laughs> and there's just two strips and a dot, mm. or not even a dot. It's a square bouncing mm. between them, and yet people still celebrate it.
1: Mm. What are you
0: going to do? Whereas. Um, you know, uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later on in the show, but uh, good answer. Now, next question, and you probably I think you've answered this already, but I'm going to let, let you dwell on it again, because you might have given me another answer. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? <laughs> well, I've already said Jeff Mentor.
1: <laughs> you said Jeff. Anyone uh, else
0: that immediately springs to mind?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I... I mean even to this day I still admire like uh, Shigeru Miyamoto the amount, the amount of uh, impact he's left on the industry is just immense same with her uh, uh, same same with another fellow Nintendo contemporary called Gunpei Yokoi who invented okay. the invented the Game Boy uh Uh I, don't, I definitely looked. I definitely look more or towards uh, some more recent uh, and notable like indie developers like uh, you have a you have BLAN BEA, uh, you have a uh, who did like I like love
0: Raza's, yeah, yeah, he's a lovely man, got a lot of time mm. for him, he's got a big heart and he cares a lot about lots of things, so yeah, mm. uh, he need yeah, good, good, good shout on, on him. Uh, anyone else,
1: uh. If I can... I'm trying to see if I can recall the... Ni- trying to see if recall the name. Uh, who else? Who else? Uh, no? Uh, uh, I know there's, there's someone in particular and I'm sh- struggling to come up with, a, his, na- come up with his name. He- what were they made? And I can help maybe uh, he got like uh, he got big on uh, making a platform game that was where he essentially played blocks so Thomas was alone yes it's that's it
0: Bithell isn't it it's yeah Mike, Mike Bithell Bithell yes he's been on the show twice Oh, has he? <laughs> I know Mike for many 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 years before we even made Thomas was alone I'm not suggesting in slightest moment that I am responsible for his uh, illustrious career. In any way, absolutely not. However, he and I have known each other for very, very, very long time. I'm happy that you celebrated it. Because he's, he's an exceptionally talented fellow, indeed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Thomas was alone is one of my favourite games of all time. Because I never thought I'd be drawn emotionally to blocks. <laughs> but, you know... Thomas, bless him, he was alone. Was being an operative phrase, but um, mm. yeah, wonderful, wonderful game. Although I did say to Mike, I said, um, "Why did you make Chris such a jerk?" And he said, "I don't know. <laughs> Is it something about people called Chris? No, huh? <laughs> anyway, um, no."
1: Anyway, no good g- shouts, good shouts. Just, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess I, know, I guess another one since. Uh, 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 I think would be uh, Eugene Jarvis Uh, I mean I mean I love I mean I love my uh, I love my arcade shooters I love I love the fast fast paced and very quick arcade style games and Eugene Jarvis is like the grandfather of a lot of them even 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 a very recent ones like uh, even very recent ones like Next Machina he's had a hand in and I've uh, enjoyed a lot, and I definitely enjoyed style like Robotron twenty twenty eighty four and uh, Defender. Whenever I see a Robotron arcade
0: unit, I always play it. Yeah, always, always play it. A game never ceases to be fun and entertaining, and in just it's over thirty
1: years old now. <laughs> the thing that always attracts me to Robotron is uh, the transition between levels. Just the mo. The moment the last enemy dies, as you just get a whole spew of colours, and yeah. you know, the sound just roars, just like just like builds up as it builds to the next level. I 90, always love that transition.
0: Ninety percent of that game is sound. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's like oh oh, what's that? What's that bloop? Oh, someone's died. Oh, I didn't get to him. You know, just like it's just it's amazing, amazing. Uh, never, never stop playing that. It's, I've got about four copies of it in various <laughs> forms, you know, on various platforms, on PlayStation or on Xbox 360, on as a, as an arcade game. You just keep buying. I've go, got this. I don't. I can't remember. <laughs> it's, just, it's absurd. All right. No, no. All good. All good responses. and again, uh, relates to what you've made with uh, uh, Gemstone Keeper. So yeah, good stuff. So, last question of the first half. Here we go. Okay. Um, this one I'm legally obliged to ask because this is a podcast about video games. Therefore, we have to ask this question. It is. What are you playing right now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, funny, well, funny enough, last weekend I actually went all the way to Leeds uh, to check out the arcade club. So, uh, oh, so isn't I've been it playing- amazing? Oh, it's a brilliant place. I've been to the, ori- I've been to the original site in Barry, and, def- and I'm definitely liking the lead site a lot more now because the way that, the way they've laid out all the games is just impressive. You can just walk, you can just walk around and to like different cat, to like different sections in to see like, oh, if you want to play that, or oh, if I want to play on the Arthur Burner, I just go to the Sega area. If I want to play one of the old retro shooters, I just go up the, just just go up a five stairs and. And go to this area, or if I want to try like the VR stuff, I go to the top floor. I, oh, uh, and uh, it's just a, and just the amount of games they have they have is just impressive, just to say the, to say the least. It's like, I like, just have like, I like, it's like over a hundred arcade games or something. Yeah,
0: and they are in pristine condition. Everyone, mm. the, the arcade club, if you're in the UK. And it's especially north of north of Watford um because um sadly there isn't anything equivalent where i live in 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 them Londons uh, mm. because of um mainly because I actually asked this question about them they said we've looked, and a the rent is just astronomic <laughs> mm. <laughs> and just finding the right space and where to go, but anyway, that's a side so leeds and and Barry, like you say they're they are extraordinary units in that they will places because the cabinets themselves are in really, really, really good condition. They're mm. not covered in stains or coffees or cigarette smoke or burn marks. Or they are, and the screens are, you know, some, they really like those games, don't they? They really, mm. yeah. So anything that leapt out at you that was, apart from Rubbertron, of course, <laughs> <laughs> which you have
1: uh, to well, I, mean, I Well, I mean, well, uh, I, I mean, I mean, uh, early on, when I did my walk around, I noticed uh, they had the uh, afterburner climax with like the hydraulic seats, which just, which my, which I, my face just lit up because it just reminded me of like being, being a uh, twelve years old going to uh, the local bowling alley and wanting to, pl- and wanting to fly, wanting to fly around in an Air fourteen shooting, in- shooting at enemy pilots and just. Re- Reving the thrust forward to go into climax mode. I so uh, I so and so like as soon as, soon as those uh, ca- as soon as those games went available, I just I just went and seat in like a heartbeat and just started playing. Wow. So is this is um, afterburn, isn't it? You saying? Uh, yeah, uh, afterburner climax, climax, which is the most, right. re- which is like the which is the uh, the last arcade release, if I recall correctly.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Those the, I've never really been in one. Closest I've been into one is the uh, Outrun one, which mm. is nowhere near as um, intense as Afterburner. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I do like Afterburner. It's a good game. A, mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it takes a bit of getting used to all the um, bullets flying around and stuff. But yeah, once you get your head into it, it's not too bad. The only problem is it's just, it's, the, it's, the, it's the it's basically a 3D version of 1942. Mm. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, but it ultimately is a 2D shooter, really. You mm. uh, just just happens to have like a two point five D really, isn't it? It's just a bit like that. But look, I'd will say I say that, I've no idea what this, this climax one is. Is it similar to that? Is it still got the same sort of it, sprite based nonsense?
1: Um well, it's all fully three D, but it's got it's still got it's got like the same feel to it. Uh, right. Like the main, uh like all the environments and all the mo- and all the like planes are all like three 3- D, but you're still, but still like, you're still like, uh, you're still, like uh, in the on rails perspective. you still, and you're still using the joystick to just move like left and right and doing about and doing aileron rolls, 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 and shooting that, and either shooting or targeting enemy enemy planes. And it's, like the but the main sellout feature, the main selling feature of it of it is that uh, you have like a you have a lever to the side of you that a you can use to speed up, but if you really thrust it forward it, it you go into climax mode where everything slows down and you can like target it set multiple planes at once and then you can fight and and then just fire and just annihilate like an entire screen of them.
0: Oh, right. nice. the ultimate mm. sort of BFG, so to speak yeah <laughs> cool right. Well, that's a good good sign off for the first half. Well done, um, yeah. Good choice of games, and uh, um, going to the arcade club is never a bad thing. So yeah, thanks mm. for that. <laughs> so let's uh, look to the past uh, for for, uh, for part one. Say say goodbye to it. Say hello, to part two, where we delve deep. And no pun intended. The gemstone keeper. Hey. <laughs> I did there um so before we can delve deep into gemstone keeper we need to know what it is so in, in your best elevator pitch you can summon what is gemstone keeper
1: uh, so gemstone keeper is a combination of uh, of an action roguelike and a top-down twin stick shooter uh you you play it you play it as your little as your little traditional at symbol, uh, you go down and explore caverns to search for gemstones. However, how these caverns aren't as uh, aren't as uh, nice and safe as you could imagine them being, as they are filled with, with creatures that would have have no second thoughts of wanting to attack you. So you have to defend yourself with your trusty with your trusty gun. And basically your aim is to collect gemstones and travel as far down as you as you can fighting dangerous creatures along the way.
0: Yes, they're very dangerous, especially bats. <laughs> bats that are normally, you'd think, oh yeah, you, can, you know, but for, if you had a rampaging bat, you shoot a gun at it's a little bit, no, no, no. Oh no, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, yes, so you have four characters, you can have four players at the same time as well as that, and, um, and i played a lot of them, on I must confess, but it doesn't make, detract from the experience that um, uh, you ultimately you have different character types at the opening screen, and you select one, and um, they all have their strengths and, and, and weaknesses. Some are faster than others, some are well, have a greater sort of shot, or Power, but also quite weak physically, etc. etc. And there's also a lot of an all rounder uh, character. Um, And um, when you go down to, and what we haven't described is that although visually it looks, if you took a sort of screenshot of the Gemstone Keeper, um, it looks like um, uh, an old sort of um, PC game from the early 80s. When you see it moving, it It's, it's not. <laughs> uh, everything's moving around really, really fast. There's no flickering. There's no stuttering. Uh, it just goes on full pelt. The animation is fluid of your character. It's all, you know, all of that. Even though the imagery looks like an old CRT monitor, which you can turn off if you like. Okay, so like, sort of like a, a concave sort of like screen. Um, uh, it... Um, really isn't that's the only part that it looks like um uh, an old machine and in reality it's very 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 modern in its uh, execution and feel um i've found because it is ultimately a twin stick shooter um although you have to actually trigger the fire you don't sort of just move the stick and it starts firing that's the more traditional Twin stick. this is what I call an active twin stick shoot, in other words you have to actually pull the trigger before it will fire but your, your, your right trigger or your right, sorry thumb stick will actually direct the fire because um, I played it with a controller so, my first design question in Gemstone Keeper there is a balance between pushing deeper into the caverns versus the risk of death um, how does the how does Gemstone Keeper alter the difficulty of the game uh, after each delve? So, just to be clear, everyone, you can go back to the surface at any time. I'll say any time, at the end of each level. So, when you complete a level, when you take out, you get all the gemstones that are there, or maybe not there, but you find a little um, portal. You go into the portal, it gives you an option. Do you want to go back up? Uh? Or we'll carry on going down. So, what, 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 how do you balance that that risk reward? What do you think Gemstone Keeper does to to balance that? Uh,
1: so, uh, as you go for as you go further down into the caverns, each of the caverns gets uh, gets bigger and and there'll be more enemies, but there'll be more enemies and even more kinds of stronger enemies that that you could face. Uh, But, uh, you can also, but, uh, as a reward, uh, the deeper down you go, the more rare, more valuable gemstones that you can find. Uh, uh, as to try and balance it, as to try and balance it, uh, I basically had to do a lot of, uh, basically had ended up doing a lot of, uh, uh, number crunching, uh, all the, all the, all the, all the stats of uh, like all the, uh, of, like all the enemies and the weapons had to be, you had to be, uh, well, well, we're cal- and I had to methodically, uh, calculate, calculate, to see what would get the more, most fair, fair outcome. Uh, just uh, to just, make
0: it sort of a challenge, yes.
1: Yes, essentially. Just, so, just so that, just so that, it just, but also, also that the challenge would, chance try and steadily increase. So it's not, so it's not like uh, you play like, I uh, like maybe two, three levels in and then suddenly just shoots up, of uh, in difficulty. But just that, so, but just gradually enough so that you know, so that you know, uh, uh event, so that you know, eventually at some point you probably it will probably. Best so that you could go back to the service and then upgrade and and get the upgrades and get the new and get some different weapons too. And so, so that when you get back down, you feel a lot more ready.
0: That's what I found. You know, I would push it every time. How much i have got left? 10. I'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> it's <should be> fine. <laughs> it'll be fine what about the things that no be fine but no uh, what's the worst that could happen oh wait (laughs) but you know um, but there are there are boss fights Uh, Mm -hmm. won't go into details about those Um, check them out for yourself they're all insane Uh, (laughs) um, the first one I encountered took me by surprise I thought, oh I've got this oh what's this oh right okay I'll just do the thing, and you know I won't say what happens, but yeah um does does drop a lot of stuff if you kill it, which I did happy to say anyway, characters there's four, they're all very different.
1: How is each one designed um, uh the- inter- actually the interesting thing is that it is that where you do have where you do give even four as an option they're all they're all randomized. At the start, see so yeah. So so a lot so a lot, of, so random random name, random appearance, as well as randomised stats. Uh, and usually had it. And usually had a different difference that uh, where is that? A, it's assigned to that where a character has a has strengths in one area. It's a, they have a weakness in another. So. They make so they may be strong on attack but they'll have a but they'll have a weak defense, which means any time they get hit they get more damage. More damage you get, more da- the more damage you get, the more damage you'll receive. Uh, uh, same with like uh say, same goes to like like speed or agility, you may be qu- uh, speed and agility, you may be fast but you'll slow to react. Uh, but or you could be quick to react but you move don't move as quickly. Hmm. In that sense, (laughs) yeah,
0: it's um, I find it fascinating sort of messing around with different characters and exploring the different, and it does feel like a different game when you have these different characteristics, you have to alter your tactics quite dramatically. Mm. And uh, to hear that they're randomized, um, is quite an eye opener because, um, the very definition of new game plus, well, yeah, it just keeps on giving, (laughs) um. One thing, one game that keeps on springing to mind, we haven't mentioned yet, and I'm wondering if there is an influence from it into Gemstone Keeper. I just want to want to want to test the waters a little bit. Is mm-hmm. um, how much of Gauntlet is in this game? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I'll be honest, that's a new one. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I have. I mean, I have tried out Gauntlet, like maybe once or twice, but uh mm-hmm. I but uh, I've often found that it's a lot more that game's a lot more fun to play in like a cooperative sense 'cause it usually it, it encourages you to play as like four characters at once.
0: Yes. Yes. I just I just found it
1: quite fascinating
0: how there's aspects of, of, of Gauntlet in that you you have creatures very hostile creatures, especially mm. if they're bats. <laughs> rushing you, and um, you then have to desperately shoot missiles at them, or missile, or weapons, you know, whether arrows or axes or spells, and you have to back away all the time. Mm. And it just struck me is that that's what I found with with uh, with Genstone Keeper is that you are I'm finding myself having to back myself into areas that I know are safe because I've been mm. there and I've cleared it. Uh, to a point uh and uh, unless you're in the ice level then you go skating around everywhere um which is always fun, and like oh no don't we go there oh never mind uh and um it just it just parts of it struck me as like you but clearly not so what what was the i mean what what it's it's, it's not that aspect at all I mean they're both dungeon crawlers mm. but it's just not I just wondered how much has been has bled into Gemstone Keeper, but you you think not? Because um, I mean, there are environmental effects, for example. We can talk a little about those instead. Mm. Tell us about how they come about. Was it because it was it just to make the increase the challenge of the player? Was that were they always there, or was it something
1: uh, you added later? Uh, so uh, the I think so uh, the mists is what. It's a, uh, I think it's what they called them in the game, if I recall. Yes. Uh, uh, they, <clears throat> uh, partly they came in out of a need to add variety, uh, e, e to the levels. Uh, I don't, I mean I didn't want them to feel too too petty, so I figured I'd add, add some sort of random steep some like, random effects to uh, you know, put keep try and keep the player on guard. Uh, uh, but it's also partially because uh, I really want, I really, I kind of wanted to uh, show some visual effects. <laughs> like oh, I wanted right. to show, like I wanted to show, I wanted to show off the ability to use motion blur. I wanted to, I wanted to show what the game would look like if, it, if you, if it if it felt like you were moving in slow motion or your view, field of re, or like your field of view was deliberately restricted. I just. Uh, same, uh, the, the same same but over the same over same thing kind of went with uh, the uh, ice and the uh, fire cabins things as well I wanted to add I want to add some uh, add some little extra details at the pl- that could that could uh, uh, keep to play key to play on their t- key to the play is on their tone uh, as well as uh, as as a su- Supply some uh, effects that uh probably w- you that probably wouldn't appear just on the standard levels themselves.
0: No, no,
1: no. It's um, yeah, the exploding lava bombs. They, they,
0: were, they, were, <laughs> they were, you know, he did warn, did warn me that they were there. Give you that, but uh, mm. yeah, I didn't realise how much that lava would spray out after it exploded, and it can create a cascade effect as well, which is lovely. But mm. um. No, no, you're right. It does add a bit of variety to the experience and makes you uh, change your tactics somewhat. Mm. So, last question. Um, and uh, this is really about the visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so the use of ASCII art, which is what it is, uh, it's a bit of a throwback to the Rogue, of course. Mm-hmm. Because this is a roguelike or rogue-ish game um what impact has this had with representing the creatures and the environments uh the players find themselves in so having chosen this simplified uh, method of uh showing or or uh, yeah this, this simple graphics what has mm. what the impact has had that on the design of the gameplay
1: itself what do you think has done um I mean, so when it came to like designing stuff, uh, designing basically anything for Jameson Keeper, I did kind of have to think out of the box. Uh, over one exact, over one avance- over one slight advantage I had with a uh, with Jameson Keeper's art style as opposed to more traditional ASCII arts for of, like games like Dwarf Fortress or Cogmind or the original Rogue or Adam, uh, is that uh, is that I. Is that uh, I'm not exactly. Is that the the ca- the characters is the symbols themselves aren't exactly fixed in place. They can be free. Uh, they can be uh, not. Uh, they're not, not. They can be, be moved around, and they also can be rot- rotated and scaled. So uh, uh, so uh, instead of instead of it being more like, okay, now what symbol in this whole character set can I use to represent and a a bat or a rat or a crab or scorpions or? And it's, but it's more. It's, but it was more of a case of okay. So how uh, how can I take this symbol and and manipulate it so it looks a lot more like uh, the creature I want? So for example, with the uh, so for example, the rats are based essentially just the the symbol for the cat. The character symbol for the number six just rotate it on its side uh you get you do get ones that uh, don't get manipulated that much like uh the bat like bats are just like uh the small o symbol and just slash and just slashes that are just uh positioned and that are just positioned in a certain place there's no like yeah. Yeah. rotation and that but uh, one but uh, the ones i found and a lot more fun and the designs were the ones where I ba- I could basically just take the cat, just take the actual characters themselves, and just place them wherever I want. I can rotate them wherever I want. I can make them just as big or small as I I want, and combine them with other characters just to make the just to make uh, uh, what I need to make. Uh, and that's and uh, and when it came to actually, uh he writing out writing out the code to make. Writing out the code to make them present presentable. I would just, I'd run a build. I paste out a te- out like a whole texture sheet, like all the sprites, and I can just inspect this. I can just inspect the uh, all the, the texture sheet itself to see like what, what like things I can just modify slightly, and then easily just go back to the code, uh, uh, uh make a few modifications, and if we compile, re- build, recreate the texture sheet, and just uh, in, in, in and just uh, see what the changes look like. And uh, that's, how I, uh, that's how I mainly worked when it came to uh, the art style. Uh, and so uh, I'm not sure if it... I'm not sure how much uh, of it I could say is like cheating when it comes to ASCII art. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't like to think it was cheating, but I'd like to think it was just my... Uh, I'd like to think of it more as oh, just uh, of a... more. Of it being a more abstract approach to ASCII art, a lot more of a looser uh, definition of a uh, of ASCII. But uh, when it comes to designing stuff, I feel like I have a little, I do feel like I have a little bit more freedom, even though I'm still, at the end of the day, purely designing everything using only just only the text that you can find on an ASCII character set or a Unicode character set. I think
0: the one thing that I struck me and it's something that's um immediately sort of presents itself when you start playing gemstone keepers it's the sound. Mm. That I believe you've had to really crank up the sound um design for the mm. game in order to understand that what's that? Well what's it sound like? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i've found it's not everything makes a sound though i have to say mm. there's some creatures there's a little white creature that's about i don't know what it is but um he doesn't that doesn't make a sound but uh most of the things do and um yeah the, the rats can be really terrifying but <laughs> um yeah um they do they they, they run very quickly at you mm. uh um but uh no that's the thing that struck me about um about the game is that the 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 sound design seems to have been increased or I'll say increased in, enhanced to to counter the say simplistic but sort of unique visuals of the game in order to to communicate to the player what on earth they're shooting at mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh yeah um it's, it's I mean, the bat's a little bit obvious because oh yeah it looks like one kind <laughs> of whereas the the uh, the rats don't they're just sort of like I say, six is on their side. Could be a mouse. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, really, it's just a really, really fun and uh, lovely way of presenting the world. It's a simplistic and pure way of looking at things. Mm. So, Gemstone Keeper, uh, by Game Popper, uh, is out now on Windows PC. Any other platforms? I can't remember.
1: Um, it's, also, it's also out on uh, Linux, both on Steam. Right, and
0: uh, but it's also well, I saw the Switch version at,
1: yeah uh, so it's yes. currently being worked on is it? yes that's correct uh, I've been working on it uh, that's what I've been mainly working on this year is uh, porting the game over to the Switch I'm hoping to have it at least ready by the end of the year
0: yeah it's a good uh, good platform to, to land it on mm. so yeah best of luck with that thank you <laughs> so Tim it's been fantastic having you on thank you for sharing your experience of designing and uh, creating gemstone keeper oh well thank you for inviting me <laughs> and um, I do wish you the very best of luck in this and all your future endeavours and you're more than welcome to come back to tell about whatever next game
1: you have up your sleeve thank you very much